I am so rarely patient enough to let that music play out, but I had to finally. Love that entry, Justin. Thank you. Here we are, episode 20-something. Today I am on my own, except for a guest who will be joining us soon. Mr. Bob Pye is a little under the weather. As Justin and I were just discussing, this flu bug seems to be annihilating us here in the Northeast, especially Rochester, and it just is a tough thing for everybody to get over. So Bob is under the weather. Rather than having him force him to come in, I'm going to sit here and do a little preliminary about our guest that's coming on. Today's episode is going to bring one of the most important people probably in the cannabis industry. I am definitely a little verklempt, as they say in the whole, the Jewish persona. Uh, Definitely feeling excited about this. So today we're going to have on someone who has many nicknames, uh, such as, I'll just pull it up right here on Google real quick, the Guru of Ganja. Uh, I've seen pictures of him uh, with... Snoop Doggy Dog. Uh, he's known as a horticulturist, but I don't believe that's his favorite title uh, from the research I've done on him. has his own website. This gentleman is in his 70s. He has seen more cannabis probably than we all will ever see in our lifetime, uh, no matter if we're just born. This guy has been in the industry forever. He's been an author. You can find him anywhere. Marijuana Grower's Handbook, their complete guide for medical marijuana, I believe is one of his most popular books. He's at Ed Rosenthal on Twitter. He has a Facebook homepage. He talks about strains. This man basically is a mentor to many people in the industry. And now we get to chat with him about the cannabis side, which is something I feel like has been neglecting a little bit in this podcast. Definitely, we have talked about more about the exercise end of this podcast, Hemphletic Podcast. But now we're going to talk about heavily about the cannabis side today. So I look forward to having Ed on here soon, but let's talk about a little bit about his background. He has his own website, edrosenthal.com. It's E-D-R-O-S-E-N-T-H-A-L.com, where he has products, the Guru of Ganja blog, and exclusives. Excuse me. In addition, I want to list some of the books that, oh, this, this is really, this is very dear and hard to He's coming on this podcast. So books by Rezo Rosenthal. We're going to list a couple of them here. The Closet Cultivator, Indoor Marijuana, The Marijuana Grower's Guide, Marijuana Growers, The Marijuana Grower's Handbook, Ask Ed, Marijuana Law, Volume 1, Marijuana Questions, Ask Ed, Marijuana Growing Tips, Marijuana Medical Handbook, The Best of Ask Ed, Why Marijuana Should Be Legal, The Marijuana Medical Handbook, The Indoor-Outdoor Highest Quality, Easy Marijuana Gardening, Happy Buds, Marijuana for Any Occasion, yada yada. I'm not even listing all of them, folks. It's really unbelievable. This man knows more about this this plant than the federal government probably. Probably one of the few people actually in this country that knows 
as much or more than the researchers that have kept it from us. I'm very excited to hear. I know part of this message will definitely be anti anti opiates, excuse me, um, which is definitely a big piece of what I will bring up when he calls. So there's a little bit of background about Ed Rosenthal. He has a closed group on Facebook, the Cannabis News and Entertainment page. I'm a member of it. I get a lot of the information that I gather for this podcast from that page. It is a great spot for research as well as learning what is going on in industry across the country and sometimes across the world. So it's been very helpful to me to be involved with that. Ed Rosenthal is on the line right now, and I'm very honored to have him on. The reason why Ed and I connected is through, I believe, a mutual friend, Mark Gray. I met here in Rochester, New York at a concert one night, and he is in the cannabis industry as a photographer, if I'm not mistaken. And he told me that Ed Rosenthal has a great entertainment news page on Facebook that I should be a part of for my podcast to help me do my research. So he... he very nicely connected to Facebook to me, invited me to the page. Uh, I'm not sure who of Ed's staff approved me to be part of the page, uh, but here we are now with Ed on the line, and, and we get to talk a little bit about cannabis. So I'm curious, Mr. Rosenthal, what is your project you are working on right now? Everybody knows so much of your background, but we're all curious what you might be working on right now. What is making you get up every day? Well, my the main project that I'm working on is... Uh, uh, a new um, adapting uh, a sea of green method to uh, industrial production of marijuana. What do you mean industrial production? You're not talking about synthetic, though, right? Well, when I say industrial, I mean where it's being grown either outdoors, indoors, or in large greenhouses, but it's being grown on a large scale. And that's, agriculturally. Absolutely. And how would you say the percentage-wise that's going to be bigger than farms that you've been involved with previously? Previously, farms were limited because they, there was prohibition in effect and farmers had to uh, grow on the sly, so to speak. And now it, uh, the states are licensing large uh, large farmers or larger farms, so uh, it takes a different method in order to produce very high quality material. And that's interesting. You've been in this industry a long time. Is it is it good to have these new challenges all the time? Because this must be really big for the industry to take this on. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. My primary interest is in uh, changing this country from a country based on alcohol as uh, its main intoxicant to one of people using mar- marijuana, make going from alcoholic to a cannabis-centric country. And with that, I hope that we will have more internal peace, less violence, less, fewer thoughts of violence, and also on an external uh, level, not being such a hostile nation. And so I think that, that changing our intoxicant can change our, help ch- us change our attitudes. And just as an example, you don't see many fights at concerts at, at Grateful Dead concerts. 
for instance. Or fish, yep. Yeah, yes. Or, or any other psychedelic band. That's right. So are you happy with the progress you've seen in your lifetime so far? Well, if you're in constant dollars, the price of a gram of uh, THC has gone down since the 1970s by by somewhere between uh, 88 and 92%. So I am happy with that because it makes cannabis much more affordable and much less of an elite drug. How about the education behind it? Do you, do you feel like there needs to be more, or, or do you feel like it needs to be um, changed at all? I think the country is. I think the country is getting educated. The, the, we um, and you can see that education that people have had in terms of the votes that marijuana gets when it's up for uh, it's when it's on the ballot. So I think the country is well-educated. And I know that a lot of activists feel that we have to educate people more and more. But I, I actually feel that we, uh, we've we done a good job on that. And the majority of the country feels this way. And frankly, if there's, um, if there's a percentage of, of the country that still feels that the world is flat, they can feel that, or they can think that all they want. But... But the majority of thinking people don't, and so, so it is with marijuana. Absolutely, and I found the same thing in my life too. I'm really preaching to the choir here in Rochester for the same thing for everybody to get off the alcohol and stay away from nicotine as the gateway drugs and move to cannabis to help improve their their life. So, so I'd love to hear you say that. Is is there other? For someone who's on the fence, is, is there something you can tell them or uh, someplace they could go to maybe help them? Because uh, I, I meet a lot of obstinate people, and I'm sure you do as well. Is there anything you can help change their mind or their opinion? Um, I, I don't really care whether they do or not. If, if You know, it's a free country, and they can think whatever they want. I just don't want them disturbing my, my rights. So uh, I think that there's a lot of media out there. There's material on the internet, and anybody who wants to learn about cannabis, uh, there's plenty of information. So it's a question of whether somebody wants to, and that's that's a that's a different question. But it doesn't really matter as long as we're getting the legislation that we need in order to. Uh, for people to be able to get marijuana recreationally and medically, or medically and recreationally. It doesn't really matter whether one or a few individuals or a small percentage of individuals are opposed to it. They, they don't have to use it. Are you a firm believer that, that cannabis can also be a replacement for opioids? Because I know this is an epidemic that that is dear and dear to my heart. I, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, I, actually, I was just going to bring that up when you mentioned that you know you were talking about gateway drugs, and it's interesting that in New York State now, if you have a prescription for opioids, you can use it as a marijuana recommendation. So here you have the exact reversal of what they always used to say: you know, marijuana leads to harder drugs. 
Well, opioids now are leading to marijuana, so (laughs) I think it's a good reversal. It's so it's so nice. Now I'm here in the state, and I'm working with a company that's working on CBD right now, and getting our processing license. And it's very refreshing to hear how New York State is going about this. They're being very deliberate about it, and I believe they do want to spread the wealth among amongst the industry. And I don't mean wealth. I I, I don't mean that just in money, but I also mean in, in making quality products. Uh, how how do you see the industry nationwide that way? Well. For one thing, you know, I know there's a lot of concern about safety and all this testing and all that. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't be done. And I'm not saying that the public doesn't deserve to have thoroughly tested and safe products. But I want you to think about um, in uh, in the years that you've been using marijuana, how many times have you ever heard of anybody going to an ER are going to a doctor for their marijuana use because of their marijuana use. You probably never heard of it. Never. Is that correct? That is correct, 100%, okay. because it's the one of the so, only things that can't kill you on overdose. Absolutely. So, so yes, but, you know, they say, oh, it might be infected. They have to test for bacteria. They have to test for this. It has to test for that. But in actuality, we haven't seen that um, that uh, this untested product, which has been on the market for 40 years or more, um, has hurt anybody. So, um, so I think I'm uh, I'm not suggesting there shouldn't be testing, but I'm just suggesting that a lot of the uh, rigor that's put into this testing and everything is is fear fear mongering because. Marijuana has always been pretty safe. Now that's a great that's a great point. I love I love that point. Ed. So how about we go down this road with that? So is it delivery method though? So maybe if it's flour, it doesn't have to be tested as much as maybe something that is processed to like to, to an edible that maybe you don't know everything that's going into it. Uh, I don't know. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Well. As I said, I'm not suggesting that marijuana shouldn't be tested. I mean, if if you if if there's a procedure for doing it, and it can be put into the whole um, uh, the whole uh, process, so that it's part of the process, certainly certainly I'd like to I'd like to see it tested. But I'm saying that. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be tested. I'm just saying that the threat of uh, of contaminated marijuana is not very high. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's a great point. And, and I love the fact, it, is it the cannabis itself? I mean, you are so more well-read on the, on the subject of cannabis. Uh, for, for someone that doesn't know much or for an amateur, tell some, mention some other things about cannabis that, that really medically benefit beneficial to you uh coming from your perspective means a lot more coming from mine well i think i i think that if i were to look at society as a whole and say what is the best benefit that marijuana has had to society in terms of people's health i would say that for a significant portion of the population 
uh, cannabis has substituted for alcohol or been used in conjunction with alcohol, so much less alcohol is used. And for that reason, there have been many fewer car accidents. The amount of, um, of violent crimes has gone down, you know, and uh, you can see that it, it, where it's become legal, the, the amount of, uh, the, you can see that the crime rates have fallen significantly. And with all of those things, you know, the lack of drunkenness, which, you know, which can lead to accidents of one kind or another, whether people are driving or just walking along and the lamppost is going too fast. Or, uh, and as well as fights and uh, other kinds of things like that. So, uh, so I think that that is the biggest health benefit that marijuana has bestowed on society. Now, as far as individuals go, I think that it brings the stress level down. I'm, so I'm not talking about these individual diseases so much that that uh, it might uh, help with, you know, uh, cancer and uh, other different ailments, MSMD and, and things like that. But these are things that because of the vast numbers of people who are affected, it probably is of greater benefit to society than the simple medical things. But just bringing people's stress level down and preventing um, arguments and fights, things like that, that's very, very healthy for society. People don't look at those really broad public health things that much. They've been looking at individual diseases and I think it's broad public health aspects uh, can't be under shouldn't be underestimated undervalued I agree and what something just dawned in my head when you said this what if Congress all of a sudden had a big bong session just before one of their big debates how do you think that would roll out Ed well Actually, what I'd like Congress to do, you're going to find, you're going to say, what are you saying this? I'd like every congressperson who feels comfortable with it to take one drink, one alcoholic drink, and that as well as using cannabis, and cannabis with certain, actually with, with certain terpenes in it, that like the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... The one drink will open them up a little and loosen them and make them just more, make them more creative. When you take more than one drink, that you, there's a rapid decrease in that creativity. And then in smoking, that will also allow them to, to, uh, bring in, uh, uh, thoughts that are outside of the box. That's right. So I actually wanted to do a study here in Rochester where I had a nightclub where in one club we had alcohol only and the other one was cannabis only and then video both set both rooms in the club and see how people were acting differently in both rooms. Right. Right. When people take more than um, one drink or so, then... Um, the uh, brain patterns quickly change. So, anyway, so that's the main. So, 
I mean, people can look up individual diseases, and there are a lot of individual diseases, especially uh, diseases where there are spasms or um, uh, like uh, some sort of uh, episodes, or uh, as well as psychological uh, uh, dealing with psychological problems. So. But, uh, so, but, and that's very well documented. What hasn't really been talked about a lot, as I said, are, are these public health issues. For instance, uh, I'll give you one example of it. There was a World Cup soccer game that was being held outside of Amsterdam. And, you know, the, the British uh, fans uh, are often uh, very violent. And what the government did was close all the bars and only let the coffee shops stay open. And there were no big uh, disturbances during that game. And at the coffee shops, don't they sell cannabis there? Yeah. When I say coffee shops, those are marijuana yeah I'm, clar- yeah, I'm clarifying for the people in the U.S. who haven't been over there to know I'm that sorry? basically, basically you, they were given access to cannabis but not alcohol, and the game turned to be the fans were less rowdy, right? Less, less violent. Uh, yeah, there wasn't the, there wasn't the violence that's often associated with British football fan, British uh, soccer fans. So what do you think the biggest challenge for the industry is as we had the next like three to five years? Do you see anything you're worried about or are you more excited? Well, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed as cannabis becomes part of the regular economy and isn't considered some sort of exceptional product that doesn't follow economic rules. That's one thing. But on the other hand, the way that cannabis is an unusual product is that there, in, in, um, with most products, there's a hub and a spoke system of distribution. For instance, cigarettes are all made in one place or a few places and then the distributor to the various re- distributors and retail stores. So that's a hub where it's made and then it's distributed, right? But with cannabis, um, ca- cannabis is more like tomatoes where there's, uh, there are hub and spoke there is hub and spoke distribution, but it's a various different sizes from international companies to uh, local farmers to gardeners who sell to restaurants or you're driving down the road and this by by a, a, a garden or a house there's some uh, baskets of tomatoes and it says leave two dollars or leave five dollars and so you have that so you have a wide network of people who are growing and organizations that are responsible for growing tomatoes but in in spite in in spite of all of the uh, of everything the most tomatoes in the United States are grown by home growers 
And I think that's going to eventually be the case with marijuana. And I think that for the most part, except in areas where marijuana remains very expensive, it's it's not going to be indoor growing so much as outdoor growing. I agree with that because it seems like every state's going to basically allow a certain amount that each person can grow on their own to prevent the black market. Is that correct? Is that the theory behind it? Well, um, I think it would be hard. Um, It would criminalize a whole population if you said you couldn't grow it. And in California, it's um, it's fractionalized because it's county by county. Okay. I you know, some counties say, can say you can't grow it outside. And uh, some counties allow it. So, um, so everything is county by county here. So, so that's a terrible system. So... So there's no overall statewide system in California that kind of monitors and, and regulates everything? It's all county by county there? Yeah. Well, there are certain things mm-hmm. that the county can't say. You can always grow indoors. And everybody's allowed, by state law, everybody can grow indoors. But whether you can grow outdoors and what the outdoor situation has to be, can vary by county and also by zoning. So, um, and you know, that's how alcohol is in, you know, uh, in some states. It's, it, there's a, a varied, uh, uh, um, each state has its own set of regulations. So, in, in Nevada, unless you're already rich, don't count on getting a license because the application and the amount of money that you have to have puts it outside of most people's, uh, the possibility for most people. In Oregon and Oklahoma, in Oklahoma of all places, it's like getting a driver's license, getting a, a commercial license. Interesting. Is that good or bad? Is that good or bad for the industry, do you think? I'm not sure. I think some states um, will be more favorable to industry than other states. But what I'm concerned about most, I mean, you would think that I'd be most concerned since I earn my living, you know, from producers and people who want to produce and um, people who want to grow. You would think that my main concern would be the growers, but my main concern is that consumers have access to really inexpensive marijuana. And so if growers have to work harder in order to earn their keep because they don't have the economic, uh, uh, the prices of uh, economic risk that they had before, I'm not saying that farmers don't have economic risk, but uh, most farmers, like a wheat farmer, doesn't have the problem of his wheat wheat field being raided or something like that. Mm -hmm. So so, um, now that 
farmers don't have that, they can't expect to get be paid for taking that risk. So, so price is going to, co- going to continue to go down, and I'd like to see that. I want to see. Um, I know this is politically incorrect to say, but a bunch of teenagers are in a, are hanging out together, and they say, "Should we get some beers or some wine or something?" Uh, and um, the uh, and so one of them pipes up, "No, let's just get some bud because you know, pre rolls. It's so cheap. I mean, we can stay high all night." That's 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 the scene that I want to see. It, I, I, I want I want don't want those kids introduced to alcohol at, at an age where they're they're at the most risk, which is like eighteen to twenty males eighteen to twenty five or sixteen to twenty five. That's when they're liable to take the most risk. So you know how um, people sometimes bemoan these young younger people uh, dabbing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've probably heard that. Oh, Absolutely, stereotype. Yeah. Terrible. Well, well, would you would you rather see them drunk? Amen. Sir. I mean, so it's a harm. That's a harm reduction. Everything about the cannabis plant is harm reduction. So I totally agree with you in that philosophy. I love it. Difference where I'm going with this. So, so like. Even though they might be overindulging and it might not look pretty or it might make some people uncomfortable, dabbing is a much better solution than falling down drunk. Amen. So I want to give that advice to Ed. Is there anything kids should worry about as far as actually smoking of cannabis uh, at too early of an age? I haven't seen anything negative, but in your research, have you found anything negative? Because I want to tell the teenagers the same thing. Well, I look here. Here's the, here's the deal. Like, if you talk with a teenager and you say, "Don't smoke cigarettes. You'll die when you're 50." That unless the, the kid has had relatives who have befallen that fate, that's the furthest thing from a kid's mind, because 50 is a long time away when you're 18, you know, 30 years away, who knows? We could all be dead then, you know, it's that kind of attitude. So um, so you have to talk about the immediate, and the immediate is that you, you won't be able to climb that, you see that mountain there? Now you can climb it. You smoke cigarettes for six months, you won't be able to climb that mountain. That's more immediate. That's right. So I'm your perfect study, Ed. How about this? I started consuming cannabis at age 17. I am now 46. I am an Ironman, a two-time Boston Marathon runner, and 17-year triathlete. I am your exact uh, case Oh, yeah, study. well, you, you would have been much, much better if you hadn't used marijuana. You just zapped all of your energy and everything. Just <laughs> like with those NBA basketball players, mm-hmm. just think how much better they could play if they weren't using marijuana. You think so, but doesn't THC increase in your bloodstream? Oh, I love it. Okay, good, good, good. Because I don't want to confuse our audience. I mean, because NBA basketball players. Amen. How much better can you be? Thank you, thank you for that, sir. Because I miss the. I'm missing it because I'm trying to be defensive of the cannabis plant like you are. <laughs> no, but think about it. It's it, you're absolutely right. 
and uh, that's the swimmer who got caught smoking a bomb. Um, Michael Phelps. Yeah, remember he got caught smoking a bomb, and but. You don't think that was the first time, oh, I should try a bong. You think that was the first time he had smoked a bong? I hope not. Oh. So what, so, do, you, what do you enjoy yeah. most about your interviews? And, and obviously you do so much and you sell products. And why do you continue to go out here and spread your message? What is it that drives you, sir? Well, I should tell you that I do have... <laughs> Talking about selling products, I should mention that I have a new book coming out that I've been working hard on, and uh, also uh, in collaboration with uh, scientists from um, different universities and from corporations, and it's called Marijuana Garden Saver, and it's about how to protect your garden from any uh, problems that it might have, whether the nutrient problems, past diseases, or environmental problems. And it, it's much expanded. It's a second edition of it, and it's much expanded because the number of pests have increased, for instance, broad mites and russet mites, mm -hmm. and the solutions to them have um, the number of products that are suitable for this have increased. And I, just in case people are worried about what we recommend in this book, it, my my attitude is if you can't pronounce the contents of a product, don't use it. <laughs> I love it. So what is this book number like so, 35 for you? It, it's number 278. <laughs> and uh, I, I do an average of 10 to 20 books a year. No, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, amazing, you are. Um, recently, um, I've been um, like all of the books have my name on it usually, um, for instance. But uh, I've been collaborating. First of all, whatever names are on the book, that is that. Uh, that's what the people who actually worked on it. And now I've been co collaborating um, for each book. I collaborate with uh, people who know more than I do, which uh, is, very, is very humbling and uh, also a great learning experience. But I, I feel that when I do these books, I'm the one who learns the most. You know, in, in, in gathering the information and putting it together. And I have a. Uh, we always put together a great team of people who are all acknowledged. You know, whoever works on the book, you'll see their names in the book or on the title page or whatever. And uh, it's. Uh, but this particular book, I think, is people are going to find very useful, whether they're just a home gardener and. Uh, or whether they're gardening, uh, or whether they're uh, doing IPM work at, in a greenhouse. And in some, most cases, for instance, with the IPM people, it will just be a, like a reminder for them. But they might find, they'll find new material on that too. And of all the things, 
I love it. And of all the things you do in your life, what is your favorite thing? Being a researcher or inventor or consultant? I mean, what's your favorite Sharks. thing? Sharks is my favorite ah, thing. I love it. Perfect. Yeah. I should tell you, though, that, um, see, I used to spend about 95% of my brain power on sex. And as I've gotten older, you know, the sex urge has gone down. So I only spend about 90% now. But that has actually doubled the amount of time my brain has to spend on other things. So I've become a better researcher. That extra 5% is all you needed, huh? Yeah, well, it doubled the amount, you know, the amount of time. That I, so that that's a favorite thing. But I what I like is, to, it's, this is not... Um, necessarily good for my the bottom my financial bottom line, but but I I love novelty and I love learning and uh, about all different things and then being able to apply cross, cross knowledge over from one area to another and I really love uh, uh, you know. Uh, the adventure of adventure and learning, and I'm not talking about um, dangerous adventure. You know, climbing up and climbing up uh, a cliff with uh, uh, you know with, without any uh, ropes or well, even with ropes, <laughs> or climbing up a cliff. I'm just not going to do that. But I do like adventure. For instance. I'm going to a trade show in Spain um, called Spanabiz, which is in, held in Barcelona. And after the trade show, I'm going to hop over to Morocco to watch their preparation for, for planting uh, their, their crop in Katama, which is a province there. And that's, it's very uh, traditional and tribal. So people have been there for thousands of years. Have they been growing thousands of years? I don't think so. But um, I think that actually the uh, in this one province of Morocco, Katana, it's the, I was there in June with my wife for three days. By the way, it's a very hard place for Western women because um, the... the Many of the women there are in a traditional situation where they work either in in the, in the multi-generational home or in the fields, and they rarely leave that the, those confines while the men go into town, which, you know, it, it looks like Gaysville there because there are absolutely no women around in the whole town. It's all men. And the Western women, they don't want Western women to be near their women and maybe give them some ideas. So Western women stay with men, you know. So so when my wife and I went into a restaurant, nobody batted an eye, but if, it would, if one of the men from town went into the restaurant with his wife, I'm not saying there'd be a commotion, but people would notice it. So it's, it's just, it's such a different culture. It isn't, it isn't like a laid back vacation go, going there. No, I'm sure. But, um, it, but it's gotta be, it's still, yeah, but it's an adventure. Like you said, that's what makes it the adventure, right? Right. 
Right. Well, like for 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 people like me who are obsessive. You know, but that's that's a mark of that's what a reporter does, you know. That's a mark of you know a re- basically a reporter and editorialist and uh so you're always looking for one is always looking for information in their field. Were you a reporter first or a agricultural? I am a reporter. Okay, so that's that's first and foremost who you are. I mean, that's what, you know, I worked for High Times, and I was embedded behind, you know, like like most, you could say I was a crime reporter, because what I was reporting on people's criminal activities, right? I mean, I didn't say... Oh, and I visited this criminal's house and he was growing. I just said, I went to this grower. But you knew that the grower was already a criminal, right? Of course, yeah. Because because it was prohibition, right? So so I was embedded behind, you know, uh, behind the scenes. It was like being embedded not in the army, but with the cops, but in Iraq. You know, behind behind the lines. I mean, on the other side. So I was an embedded reporter, and then as it became legal, I just became an embedded reporter uh, on the scene. Right. And I've written mostly about cultivation, but I've written about cultural things as well and political. Have you always thought they should be hand in hand? No, well, those were what my interests were. I, I'm I'm not saying what other people should do, and um, uh, probably, uh, as I said, you know, this probably hasn't been in my best financial interest. But I I have so many interests that you know, uh, like. Like, like usually I'm dealing with people who are spending their entire uh, working life doing one thing, and I'm spending like a tenth of it. You know? uh, and I, then I flip to something else. So, you know, I probably would would have been better off if I if I just stuck with one thing. And, but, you know, I'm more interested in the, you know, you only have one life to live. If you only have one life to live, you know, there, there used to be a, this uh, uh, famous uh, um, advertising uh, person, and she came up with, if you only have one life to live, let me live it as a blonde. And um, so, and, you know, there's a metaphorical meaning to that, as well as, you know, she was trying to sell... Uh, hair dye, but there's a metaphorical meaning to it, like you might as well you should do what 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 brings you the most reward and that does not necessarily mean monetary reward but it should be what's most rewarding to you and so I've been able to live this life that is um 
highly unusual. I mean, and um, but productive. And it's been a, it's been a, for the most part a pretty good journey. How long have you been married? Excuse me. How long have you been married? Oh, uh, nearly thirty years. You're a lucky man. And she tolerates all the the cannabis, so she must she must be on board, I imagine. So I have these friends who have mates who um, don't smoke pot, or will take a puff and say, "Oh, I'm stoned," mm-hmm. you know, and who sort of tolerate them doing that because they earn a living from it or something like that. I could I could not live with a person who there you know um my politics my thought about that is first of all to be compatible with a person you have to like the same food because you if you're on different diets it makes eating which is a, should be a pleasurable experience it makes it difficult or strained or something like that so if you're not on pretty close diets it makes it more difficult and you should have pretty much the same sleep arrangements or compatible sleep arrangements but um, the other thing is I don't you know like I appreciate cannabis so much and it's such a significant part of my life that I, I don't think that I could be in a serious relationship with, you know, like a partner, life partner relationship, that kind of relationship with somebody who doesn't have that appreciation. Like I just don't see how I could do it. I know other people do it. I've looked, and I'm not making a critical judgment about them. I'm just talking about myself. Because we understand the medical benefits of it, so we want to make sure our partner is as the medical benefits. Yeah. No, no, the no, no. Okay, I I want to get past that. How about the mental benefits? Amen. Yeah. See, like I one of the things I uh, I use uh, pot so my wife doesn't have to take tranquilizers. <laughs> I love the root cause analysis there. So I, I got a question. I, I, I've heard mentioned before instant THC. Can you tell me about it? Is that something you came up with? But I'm very intrigued by that. What, what is instant THC? Well, it's pat- first of all, it's patented. And um, it's, a, um, it's a sugar molecule, type of sugar molecule that locks onto the THC molecule and... So uh, it allows it to mix very well with water, with hot water. It doesn't actually dissolve, but it mixes well. Like milk is a mixture, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it becomes dry. So in becoming dry, uh, it makes it much easier to work with, like if you well, it makes it easier to pour it into a cup of coffee like you would sugar, and it makes it easier to use in recipes because it's measured out. 
is this something that uh, you're selling in California now? Is this something you've produced, or did you did you invent it? I mean, that's kind of what I heard, and I just want to validate. Yeah, we, well, I was one of the inventors of it, and um, so it's now owned by a pharmaceutical company, and they're about to use it or license it. I'm not sure, but it's not available on the market right now. Interesting. So do you even have such a thing as a bucket list, or, or have you lived it? You know, um, there was this baseball player, um, and he, he said, uh, don't look back, they might be gaining on you. <laughs> so I'm not retired or anything. I'm working on a number of different projects, and... You know, I feel that my creativity, I haven't lost, I don't know, it's hard to judge what you've lost, or, you know, over a period of time, or things like that, but I still deal with creative things, and, you know, so all that's happening. Do you have a favorite pet project right now? I only do things that I really like doing, like the... the there's no project that I have to take. So I only take things that intrigue me. So I like flitting from project to project. It, it makes my associates go crazy, but that's the way it is. Yeah, one of mine was complaining about me today for that exact thing, but I said, you know, we only have so much time on this planet, we got to get it all there's done. A person who just overheard, there's a person who just overheard me, and he's laughing, because <laughs> it just I, I gave a realistic analysis of it there. It's good to be introspective, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is there anything you'd like the people to know right now from you uh, to look you up or any, any books, any place they can go for you? But I definitely want to spend step another time with you. But anything you can close with to, to direct people to you to learn about you? Well, oh, there's one other thing I want. I'll, I'll just close it with an ad. There's one other thing that I wanted to mention about Marijuana Garden Saver. If I, for instance, if I give a solution for aphids on marijuana, right? You would think that it would work on other plants as well. Okay. Okay. Or if I say with marijuana, a nitrogen deficiency will show up on the lower leaves of the plant, it will on other plants as well. So you can use it as a whole garden saver, not just marijuana. I like it. And I like to use the comparison to people who don't understand cannabis, the tomato plant. So I'm gl so glad you brought that up earlier as an example, yeah. the tomato right. plant. Well, it's in, if you want to read about it, that's uh, the forward to Mar the book Marijuana Growers Handbook. It's right in the front of the book somewhere. And I want to mention one other thing, word of wisdom that is in the front of the book. It says, warning. Using marijuana may not be addictive, but growing it is. Oh, I like it. Uh, and one other book, I have a quick so, question for you, Ed. Medical Marijuana One is 101 that I saw. Medical Marijuana yes. One, is that for someone who's actually making it, or is that someone who needs to be using it for the first time? Using it. Okay, so the, making ahead. it book would be uh, Beyond Buds Next Generation, which just came out. 
And once again, we had the help of many people who are in the industry and in universities to help us with that book. That was truly a joint effort, so to speak. But it was true. It's funny, funny that a book on concentrates should be a joint effort, huh? <laughs> oh, your sense of humor is great. I love it, man. So, anyway, that, you, that, that's an excellent book. And that, like, in some areas, it goes into how to do it. And in the more complex things, we're not trying to teach people how to run their uh, their complex machinery. So it tells you more how it's done on the more complex things. And that's also a um, very helpful book if you're interested in concentrates. Thank you for the information. I appreciate it. I will definitely direct people that way. Yeah. And everybody can look up me up on Facebook and um, I know all the, all the sites. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll make sure there's links on my webpage as well, which is hempletics.com. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate your time. Yeah. I definitely will schedule okay. you to talk politics. I just politics. have to put my name on the computer and they'll go, it will take them to it. Yeah, I think you're pretty yeah. easy to find. I, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for your time, well, sir. Well, thank you for having me on and, uh, you know, we'll make arrangements to uh, continue this. I can't wait to talk some more politics with you, sir. Okay. That sounds great. Have a great day, Ed. Okay. Bye. Wow. I just had Ed Rosenthal on my podcast. And I'm still sitting here and not pissing my pants. He sounded a lot like how I want to sound at his age. Married 30 years. So he's like 75, 76. So I still got a chance for a 30-year marriage. I love how he said he has to be with someone who appreciates cannabis. Because I have that same need. He said the comparison with tomatoes, which everybody who's been listening to my podcast has already do that. He is a, a generalist is what I've heard him call himself. He's a researcher, a writer, a consultant, an inventor. He does a lot of research on cannabis, both CBD and THC. Please look him up if you want to learn about the plant or what is going on in the industry. He's got this great sense of humor, which I didn't know that. His manager who set us up definitely kept that information from me. But just some other points of interest for you. The Medical Marijuana 101 book. Uh, you can get most of the stuff at thriftbooks, amazon.com, all the normal places. All you have to do is Google search Ed Rosenthal and you will see a list of such great things. Just a couple of things I want to point out about Ed before I wrap it up. This is going to be one of the shorter episodes, but I don't want to take away from having Ed on with my useless nonsense that I'm sure most of you already have heard way too much of. Uh, so he's a California horticulturist, author, publisher, and cannabis grower known for his advocacy for the legalization of marijuana use. He served as a columnist for High Times Magazine, as he mentioned, during the 80s and 90s. I love how he called himself a crime reporter. That's actually very accurate. Twitter, Facebook, all the other places, Leafly. Uh, he also has a website. It's Ed, uh, excuse me, I will pull it up here in a second. The Guru of Ganj blog uh, or edrosenthal.com where he has products for sale. If you need to know anything about the validation of things I have spoken about or that he mentioned, you certainly can go there. I love how he talked about cannabis and society. Now I'll slow down here for a second. I've been a firm believer that we need to move away from alcohol and into cannabis 
and it is great to see someone with a large following who has been a researcher in this industry, is well-researched on alcohol, as you heard the points he was pointing out to saying about how alcohol affects our bodies. I loved how he was saying politically incorrect teenagers should smoke instead of drink. Think about that, everybody. If we didn't have teenagers trying to sneak alcohol everywhere, puking and going through all this nonsense, maybe they'd be doing a little more productive things, maybe more creative. Uh, just some thoughts from a very wise man out of California who has definitely been a driving force within a cannabis industry. So here we are in New York. We are close to the legalization in New York. We are looking for a department of cannabis to be created. We are just waiting on a daily basis on pins and needles. The CBD applications for the processing are still out. Nobody knows yet what is going on, but when that happens, we hope to have a big wave here of good, solid CBD products being created in New York State to join what is already being done in states such as California, Oregon, and Washington. And one of the things with CBD that I've been learning lately is about the blessing, the badges, and bad products. So I just want to put this out there for everybody. We've talked about it before. I just want to remind you that when you get CBD products, we have had a lotion that we have created here locally that we have had someone with cancer who has had some throbbing in her feet, I believe, her extremities. She used the lotion, a good CBD lotion, where we know the amount of milligrams that are in it, created from scratch, and she basically said that it has taken about 80% of that throbbing pain away. It hasn't taken all of it, but a good percentage of it. Uh, here's the testimony from a good quality CBD lotion. Um, the pain I have on my feet is so excruciatingly painful. It's unbearable both nights, but that sample CBD lotion you gave me really helps it. Not hundred percent, but I have to say about 90% of the pain is gone and I can say at le- I can at least rest comfortably at night. So I wanted to say thank you for the sample and please hurry, hurry, hurry and get some more. Please, please. This is someone who is dealing with cancer and has issues with her feet and had a good quality CBD lotion applied and it actually worked. These are testimonials that are out there, people. But I do want to also say that with a caveat. There are a lot of bad CBD products out there and CBD products that don't have the milligrams in them, they say it. So please be careful if you're not feeling the effects as you are hearing these testimonials. Maybe it's not a good product, excuse me. But definitely be aware of of the quality of the products of CBD because it's a little different than THC as we all know it. I was interested to hear Ed say that he didn't think that testing a flower needed to be as heavy as they're making it. I kind of agree with that. We have been smoking flour for hundreds and thousands of years, uh, not had issues from that. I mean, you're basically burning anything foreign as you're taking in your body. So I definitely agree with that. And that is something I'm going to do more research on to piggyback. But I love that his perspective on things and the fact that he gave a little bit outside the political correctness boundaries uh, to speak the truth uh, that a lot of people don't want to hear. But it's, it's something that we should all talk about a lot more regularly because I also believe that society would be much better with more widespread cannabis usage. I love how he mentioned vehicles and violence and no alcohol outside that World Cup game. All these little things. Just a very entertaining conversation.
All right, folks, we're going to wrap up this episode 22. We hope Bob Pye gets better for our next edition. I'm hoping to have someone from New York State to talk to us about how the laws in New York State for the cannabis industry are going to be changing. And that is my target for next Friday. So let's enjoy winter. Get out, ski, hike, cross-country ski. Oh, how about maybe get off that couch, take a walk, get your dog, play fetch, do something athletically to combine with that cannabis usage. Make sure that delivery system is healthy and enjoy winter. We only got it for another month or so, folks. Probably two. Happy day, everybody.